some people, but the Bible says that for those who have been given much, they love much. I don't know about you, but I haven't lived the perfect life. And we have a God that although you haven't been perfect, although you've messed up and you made mistakes, the Bible says that he demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Father looked down through the millennia and the ages. He saw what you were doing, but he saw value in you. And he says, But he loved you so much that he wouldn't stay dead. He rose for you too with all power in his hand. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven and in earth and under the earth that Jesus is not just the prophet. Jesus is not just a good man, but Jesus is the son of God. And that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, Jesus, there is a word, a word from the Lord, from the book of Matthew, Jesus, it's hard to keep going when the spirit of God is in this place, thank you Lord for your presence, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, you can keep going to her, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 6, we're going to go with whatever the Spirit leads us today. 
one scripture today. Others doing the sermon, but one for us all to read corporately. So if you don't like a lot of reading, today is your Sunday. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I don't know about you, but I feel a sweet presence of Jesus in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to just get up and put my clothes on and come to a building just to see a bunch of people. But when I come, not only do I want to feel with the people, but I want to feel the presence of God in the place. I want to feel the spirit of God in the place. I want to know it's more than just another gathering. I want to know that the Holy Ghost dwells wherever I am. We are the people, his people, and the sheep of his pastor. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. In his mercy everlasting and his truth endure through all generations. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. We're going to read that together today. When you have it, say amen. If you got it on the screens, for those of you who are watching and worshiping online, if you're in the area, you are really missing out on what God is doing on the inside of the building. I'm glad that you can worship with us online, but there's nothing like believers filling a building together, praising the name of our God. Let's read it together. What does it say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Speak your servants, listen, and we'll give you the praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, Jesus. Saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy salvation. So full and free. That's my prayer to God every day. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank Given to me thy salvation so full and free. Clap your hands and give God praise. The word of the Lord today comes from the book of Matthew as we are in a sermon series entitled what, family? How to be happy. 
Now, for those of you who is your first time, know this is a Bible teaching church. You're not about to get a motivational speech. You're not about to get something motivational, but this is something that's very biblical for Jesus. As he sits on the mount and he begins to give his famous sermon that we believe that he gave in two or three different segments, he begins to say a word. That word is makarios. Everybody say makarios. He would have said it in Aramaic, but it was written in, in the Greek, and that's the word, the makarios, or makarioi, which means that you are supremely blessed, totally satisfied, not lacking anything. In other words, that you are the envy of others. Others, when they see what you have, will want to be you because you're not just anybody. You're makarios. You are blessed, supremely blessed, and totally satisfied, lacking nothing. And, and what we see today... In the scriptures is Jesus. We've been going each week with a different blessing. And this week, Jesus says something that is very familiar to me after I finished singing. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That Jesus is the king of making sure that he preaches to people on the level that they are. He gives them things in terms that they can understand. And from the age of zero all the way through the age of forever, everybody knows what it is like to hunger and to thirst. Everybody knows what it's like to feel hunger and a thirst because all of us have hunger and all of us have thirst. What are they? They are primal needs that we use to quench and preserve and restore our body. Hunger and thirst are a natural response and they indicate a deficit in our lives. In other words, that you need a certain amount of food and a certain amount of water to survive. So therefore, your body knows that you need it. And rather than just trust you to go do it when it needs to your body has an autonomic response that the brain sends a signal and says it's time to eat it's time to drink there is a deficit in the body there is fuel running low just like the check engine light that we have in our cars many of us may not have seen that light but the growing gas prices have made that light more familiar to all of us as we go as long as we can without gas to refill and all of a sudden the fuel lights says you are low on fuel. It is time to refill your tanks because if you do not refill your tanks, you're going to end up with a deficit and that deficit is going to cause you to shut down. That deficit is going to cause you not to be able to make it to your destination and, the, and your body does the same thing with hunger and thirst. I've come to submit to you this morning that hunger and thirst don't just suggest to us, but they make a demand. They will not go away turn quietly. They will not just lay in the background and be quiet. They have been, when they have not been satisfied, they will give us a constant reminder that they need to be filled. If I preach too long and it's getting long enough to the sermon, you might hear a rumbling coming from your belly saying that I will not go away quietly. You need some to take care of some business. You need to feed me. 
<laughs> in short, when you're hungry, and one of my friends always says this, and I've taken it to be my own, Pastor Lord says, hunger demands a response. Hunger demands that something will fill it. Hunger demands that it cannot be ignored. Hunger demands that it will not be denied. And when you are desperate and hungry, and you can get your hands on anything, anything will do. I've come to submit to you, some of us may like caviar, some of us may like filet mignon. Some of us may like calamari. Some of us may like steak and, and cheese, but I've come to tell you that a cracker is a steak to a starving man. <laughs> when you have insatiable hunger or thirst, you don't always look for the healthiest and the most nourishing answer to your problem. As a matter of fact, as you get older, sometimes you don't hunger for what the body needs because we decide to give it what we want. And it creates an acquired hunger. In other words, we know that we shouldn't eat Twinkies as much as we do. We know we shouldn't eat cupcakes and other things. And we know we shouldn't ingest certain substances as much as we do. But we take them long enough till our body gets used to them and they become an acquired taste. <laughs> they become something that on the natural you might not even want but now you can't do without if you don't believe me start drinking sodas and get a coffee and get hooked on caffeine you weren't raised or born on caffeine but it becomes an acquired taste and when you go long enough without it your body will remind you that there is something that you are missing there is something that's in your system that has made you dependent everybody said dependent you have now become dependent on that service, on that thing. And if you're used to eating junk food, broccoli is not your first choice. So it is very possible to quench hunger and thirst with something that is temporarily satisfying, but eventually devastating. Hmm. Hallelujah. What do you mean by that? It's possible to live off of Twinkies, but you won't live very long. It's possible to live off of fried chicken and ham hocks and hamburger and whatever you choose, whatever your portion. It's, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's very possible to live off of alcohol for a while, but your liver will remind you this, that what it is, is giving you temporary satisfaction, but in the end, it will be devastating. We acquire taste, and Jesus is telling us whatever we build an appetite for or a desire for can determine our destiny. Look at your neighbor and say, you are what you eat. <laughs> you are what you eat. I don't care how much you say it. After a while, you may be able to be strong enough to get past it, but if you eat the wrong things long enough, it will show up, and you will create a desire and an affinity for things that are not good for you. And so it is just with our bodies. So it is with our soul. Because we live in a world that is filled with things that are desirable. There are, it's filled with things that are more desirable than God. It's filled with things that are more desirable than church. It's filled with things that are more desirable than, than right living. And if you are not careful, you will get a hold of those things and find yourself never wanting the good stuff, but always getting a kick out of and enjoying the bad stuff. And it may not show up today. It may not show up tomorrow. But in seasons like today, how it was in the building, you'll know when you haven't been eating the right thing spiritually. Because while everybody was raising their hands in the building, and I'm nobody's judge, if you couldn't feel something a second ago when we were ministering, the chances are that you've been eating spiritual junk food. 
You have acquired a taste for the world to where the world tastes better than the things of God. The world tastes better than the things of God. And many times in the church, what we do is we have so much of a taste of the world that we begin to bring the world into the church so it will be more palatable. We bring the things of the world into the church because that's what people are used to eating. But if you don't change your diet, you will not change your destiny. And we are victims many times of misdirected desire. And Jesus this morning, as he's addressing the assembly, he goes deeper than just our natural and our primal needs. Jesus addresses the hunger and thirst of the soul. He says, blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, Jesus says, I have an unlimited supply of righteousness and the benefits that follow if you will acquire a taste for them. They are available to you, but I do not force feed you. You have to come down and you have to eat. I remember the old song that says, come on in where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. God does not force feed us. We have to make the cognitive decision to make sure that we are feeding righteousness and truth into our system. What is righteousness, Pastor? What is righteousness? Righteousness is being morally right and justifiable. We are justified by faith through Christ Jesus, which means that the blood of Jesus has made us right. God gave us his holy and his perfect law, and he said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not have other gods before me. And what he was showing you was what righteousness and morality looked like. And Jesus saw summed it all up in one word. He didn't do away with the commandments. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus knew that the Ten Commandments, if you read them closely in Exodus chapter 20, the first five have to do with our relationship to God, and the next five have to do with our relationship to man. First, he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy strength. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he says, don't covet what your name has. In other words, if you're going to keep the law perfectly, all you have to do is this. Jesus said, I know you might not be able to count to 10, but in case you can, I'll do this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On this hang all the law and the prophets. We are declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. So we are righteous not of our own works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But just because we are righteous doesn't mean we always walk the righteous path. Because you can be and still stumble. That's why the Bible encourages us. He's talking to believers when he said, lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets you. In other words, you can be saved, but you can still be stumbling. And if you don't follow God's path, devastation will ensue. That's why he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. He wants us to have an appetite for the things that will bless our life, not the things that will bring a curse to our life. Not make us cursed because the children of God cannot be cursed. You are saved and covered by the blood of Jesus and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But it is possible that you can be saved from your sins while still be punished 
by your sin. <laughs> you can be saved from your sins and you mess up and you get drunk and you may still go to heaven. But the fact is you may go to heaven quicker because you got an accident while you were intoxicated. And although God saved your soul and you stepped up, there are some residual effects to living an unholy life. Our actions have consequences. And Jesus knows our actions have consequences. So he wants us this morning to take a deeper look at the decisions that we make. It's his desire that our desire be for moral and upright living. Although we are no longer under the law and faith in Christ Jesus determines our spiritual standing, God's law and his righteous standards are still good. By living according to God's standard, there are some good things that are produced in our life. In other words, peace will follow good, clean living. Good, clean living. Everybody say good, clean living. So what Jesus is really saying this morning is happy are you when you have a desire for righteous living. Hallelujah. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Why? Because number one, that hunger would demand a response. Remember I told you that hunger will not go away quietly. When you acquire a taste for holiness and you begin to eat the word and the things of God, it's going to pull you in a certain direction. When I walk into the store, if I have an affinity for Coca-Cola, I'm saying that for a friend. It's not me. Yes, it is. I can't lie. It's for me. When I walk into the store and I have an affinity for Coca-Cola. I try to walk to the Aquafina, but every now and then, my thirst and what I've acquired a taste for will pull me over to this spot, and I will literally sit in front of the window, looking through the glass, saying, I don't want you. You're not good for me. I don't need you. You're going to make me sick, but you taste so I, and I, I will literally, if you ever look at a surveillance fil uh, film in, in, a, in a convenience store, you will see this little short guy open up the door and grab a soda and stare at the door and put the soda back and grab some water and then put the water back and grab some soda. And you might think he's crazy, but there's a war going on between the taste that I have acquired versus the taste that I need. And while we laugh and that's all fun and games, it's the same with the spirit when God said, you are not watch that. You are not do that. You are not say that. And you say, I shouldn't, but you're looking at the window and you've tasted of the sin. And because you've tasted of that sin, that sin feels good to you, but it's destructive to your spirit. But I will tell you what David said. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Your soul is saved, but you still live in sinful flesh. And you don't just wake up one morning. Sometimes supernaturally, if you need that, God will take the taste of certain things out of your mouth. But sometimes you need accountability. Sometimes you need a partner to walk along with you and say, that life that you like to live, you can't live because it's going to destroy you before your time. God is saying that you should desire righteous living because when you build a righteous life, it will demand a response. And that response will produce a result, and that result will bless your life both physically and spiritually. In short, 
Pull that proud principle up if you put it on the screen. If not, I'm going to read it. I'd like us to read it together. But the first power principle, if you and what, what these power principles are to those who are new, there are things that you can take with you, and we'll send it to you if you want it. But it simply says the right type of hunger will lead you to the right type of life. The right type of hunger will lead you to the right type of life. We all get hungry. We all get thirsty. We all have physical and psychological and emotional and spiritual needs. And all sin is, it is an illegal response to a legitimate need. You have a legitimate need and that need is not being met the way it needs to. And sometimes you'll try to break the rule to get it. Yes, you're thirsty, but you don't need 50,000 coconuts. Colas. You don't need 50,000 hot dogs. You don't need that. Yes, it's okay to like to be entertained. Yes, it's okay to watch television, but there are some things that you're watching that you know your spirit doesn't need. <laughs> We're going to read that together. They got it up there. Let's read. What does it say? The right type of hunger will lead to the right type of life. It's okay to have a TikTok account. But you might want to be careful of what you're watching on TikTok. <laughs> because once you put it in your eye gate and you put it in your ear gate, what you are doing in your soul is creating hunger or an affinity for that type of behavior. And when you put it in your mind, you might think because it's not showing up now that it's not affecting you. But have you ever been triggered or pushed and you turned into somebody you didn't know you were? And you said, where did that come from? I can tell you. What have you been listening to? What have you been watching? What are the places you've gone? Oh, be careful, little feet, where you walk. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you walk. Because the Father up above might be looking down and love. And whatever you eat, you are what you Why does this sister seem so gone in, in worship? I'm just as saved as she is. Yes, you are. The blood of Jesus has saved you equally. What's the difference between her and me? There is no difference spiritually as far as how you are saved, but she has a closer relationship because she's just chosen to eat other things in her spare time. She's not eating gossip. She's not eating backbiting. She's not eating TikTok and Facebook 24-7. She's not looking to YouTube influencers to tell her thing. She's opening up the word of God. She's getting on her knees in prayer. She's spending her own time in personal corporate worship. So when she gets to worship, she doesn't have to worry about faking it. It's, an, it's a natural response. I can lift my hands without thinking about it. Because you know sometimes when I'm at the stoplight, when the spirit hits me, I can lift my hands in my car. And because I'm used to doing it in private, it doesn't it hurt to do it in public. The right type of living will lead you to the right type of life. That doesn't promise that every event in our life will be pleasurable, but it does help us to avoid some traps. So what are unrighteous desires? They are simply desires that are contradictory to God's word and his law. Can I be honest with you? Can we be honest? What do you like that you know you have no business liking? What do you watch that you know you have no business watching? What do you say that you have no business saying? What friends do you have that you realize that you told yourself to lie? I'm sticking around them to influence them, but the truth is, as a matter of fact, you're not influencing them. They are influencing 
See, the right type of hunger will lead you to the right type of life. And if you're hanging around somebody, if you're trying to quit smoking, the worst thing in the world you can do is hang around somebody that likes to smoke because you're going to try to see it all the time. If you're trying to quit lust, the worst thing you can do is hang out with a lustful person because all they want to do is lustful behavior. If you're trying to quit lying, the worst thing you can do is hang out with somebody that likes to lie all the time because as you see it, you are what you God is calling us back to a standard and holy and righteous living. And this morning, we're going to take a look at just a few of the benefits. When I begin to look at the benefits of righteous living, there were too many to put down. We don't have that much time to go through all that scripture this morning. But I prayed and I got the three that I felt like the Lord was giving us and those who are watching online. And, and God gave me these three. And A, my first point says that this is what righteous living will bring us everybody said corporate righteousness brings corporate blessing corporate or togetherness righteousness say corporate righteousness brings corporate blessing <laughs> where, where do you get that from where do you get that from, Pastor? I get it from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Let's read it together. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. What does it say? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Yeah. Every now and then for plain English, I go and get the thought translated in the message version. And this is what it says. I don't know if they put up the message version, but I want you to see it and hear it in that. And it says simply this. God devotion makes a country strong. God avoidance leaves people weak. You see, there are corporate benefits to being a part of an assembly that is hungry for God. There's corporate benefits to being part of a church that is hungry for God, that is not seeker sensitive, but is kingdom sensitive, and that is God sensitive. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. When a nation hungers and thirsts for righteousness, blessings ensue. This does not mean that the country is perfect because nothing or anyone is perfect. America is not a perfect nation by any means or stretch of the imagination. But at least for now, when you look on our currency, it still says in God, we trust. We might not live it. But we are we at least are, are going to that point where we have attempted to honor God. And as these imperfect people have honored God, God has blessed our nation. But when we cease to honor God, when we when we continue to make a hunger for the things that God doesn't want us hungry for, at some point in time, God pulls away his hand of protection from our life. It's not because we're so big and bad. It's not because we're so powerful that America is where it is. It's because God's sovereignty has his hand on America. So it behooves us to make sure that we go back to the thing that made us great. If you want to make America great, again make America pray again make America get in the word again make America live right again make America want the thing that God wants again 
It means that our overall devotion and holding up to God's standards will improve us. How do you know this? Because 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, if they get it pulled up, I'd like us to read it together. It's good to read the word. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing the word of God. Let's read it together. What does it say? First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made all for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Verse 3 and verse 4. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Hmm. Praying for our leaders instead of spending all our time talking about our leaders. Whether or not you agree with the president or a senator or whoever it is, God has not called us to that. God has called us to pray for our what? Leaders. Because he wants everybody saved. There may be some ungodly people in an office that want some ungodly things at some time. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? While they're still sinners, Christ died for them. And it is our job to pray for them. That they see Jesus. Because if their heart changes, you don't have to worry about them being wicked. You don't have to make them worry about them making wicked decisions. Because wherever the heart goes, you follow. So as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. <laughs> that might not be a favorite word for somebody who likes to argue about politics all the time. It's okay to have a political opinion, but have you had a political prayer time? Are you praying for those who have rule over you? When you get ready to go to the ballot box, do you just check your stuff? Or do you get on your knees and pray and say, God, show me what I need to do? Are you guided by the government or are you guided by the king of kings? Praying for our leaders that their hearts may turn to the Lord should be our desire. We have an opportunity in America to replace our leaders if we don't like them. That doesn't happen all over the world. But in the interim, before we can replace them, if we don't like them, we should pray for their salvation. We should pray that they know Christ, including all of our leaders, because when our nation desires to hunger and thirst after godly principle, blessing and protection will come from our neighbor. Don't spend your time fussing about the president. Pray for him. And if your president gets in next time or whoever's president, I don't care which president is there. My hope is not built on who's in the White House. My hope is built on who's on the throne. And he's seated above every king. And he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other countries, all other governments, all other thoughts and ideologies are sinking, saints. 
There's still hope for our nation and for every nation. We don't depend in the body of Christ of pitting nation against nation, for God's kingdom has no borders. I have brothers and sisters in China and Africa and countries all over the world because if you're a part of the kingdom of Christ, it does not matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your language is. We are all one. There is not Jew, nor Greek, Gentile, nor oh, hallelujah. Bond nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's why we should seek righteousness as a nation. Even if the nation as a whole doesn't, there should be a remnant, especially in our churches, that seek God because he has promised something. He promised it to Solomon. Solomon was asking God as he dedicated the temple, Lord, if we stray from you, don't destroy us. Don't consume us. Help us to come back. Give us peace and prosperity. And this is what he said to Solomon's prayer. He said, I'll listen to your prayer, Solomon. I'll listen to you. I'll bless your country when you fall off. But these are my conditions. If my people which are called by my name, if you're going to call yourself mine, first you have to humble yourself. <laughs> then you have to pray and then you got to change your appetite. You got to change what you want. You got to change what you're wanting to eat. You got to stop seeking the world and seek my face. And then you got to turn from your wicked way and then I will heal from heaven and then I will forgive your sin and then I will heal your land. The altars of churches across America, with all the wickedness that is in our country and our culture, should be filled with believers who are out seeking God, seeking righteousness, praying for God to move in our nation, praying for a right and a holy standard. Because we live in this country and we want blessing and abundance all over the world. But my grandmother used to say, I'm from the country. She said, you know, it's a poor frog that don't praise his own pond. You ought to want prosperity in your land. You ought to want prosperity in your city and your town and your county and your country corporately but the way to do that is to seek Christ that's why we need to be going out into the hills and the highways and the hedges compelling me to come because if you saved I don't have to worry about crime prevention because you're not trying to steal my car when the word says thou shalt not steal you go on about your business you want to get crime prevention get on the street corners and start telling people about Jesus You want to get rid of right to life, right to choose, or whatever? Get on the street corner and start telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Teach them the blessings of right living. Teach them that God has benefits for living a holy life. There's a benefit to living a holy life. I'm not going to keep you a believer. I'm going to go on to the second point. Not only does corporate righteousness bring corporate blessing, but also <laughs> Jesus, help our nation. Help our nation, Lord. Jesus, help us, Lord. We need your help. Corporate living leads to corporate righteousness and blessing. But righteousness brings comfort and provision. Are you worried about the provision in the economy has you down? I want you to read something with me. Psalms chapter 37, starting in verse 23. What does it say? The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Stop right there. What is he saying? When he hungers and thirsts after God's way, after God's path, 
God's steps are ordered. A lot of people say my steps are ordered by the Lord, but they're not really ordered by the Lord. They're ordered by you. You're not asking God, the Lord, help me do what you're blessing. You just go and you say, God, bless what I'm doing. We don't pray about our decisions. We just go do whatever we want to. And then we ask God, bless it. That's not how it works. The blessing walks in obedience. God, how do you want me to direct my family? God, what church do you want me to attend? God, what life do you want me to have? When you do that, the steps of the Lord are established. The Lord establishes those steps. And when you have that desire, let, let's look at verse 24 because that's important for us to see. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights his way. But this is wonderful. Let, what did it say? Though he fall, he shall not be what? Cast headlong for the Lord will uphold his hand. Back to the message again. I want to say it in plain English for people who haven't who are acclimated to the bible all the time it says it this way if he stumbles he's not down for long because god has a grip on his hand come here brother dave brother dave just got saved brother dave comes down and if brother brother dave doesn't have an appetite for righteousness follow him down brother dave follow all the way down now, he's in pretty good shape, but can you get up like that? It's hard to get up like that, isn't it? <laughs> but if you had somebody that was holding your hand, when you fail, it wouldn't be as hard to get up. If you are hungering and thirsting after what God wants, you may stumble. You might make a mistake. <laughs> you may sin. But if God is holding your hand, you may be down, but you won't be down long. <laughs> The Bible said that a righteous man falls seven times, but what makes him righteous is that he, what, gets back up. And how does he get back up? It's not because you're strong enough. It's because God is holding your hand. There was a song when, when, when I was little, they said, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't live, right? God, without you holding my hand, I can't hold my tongue without you holding my hand. I can't change my diet and the things that I like that my sinful flesh like. Why? Because I can't do it unless you're holding my hand. Lead me in the place of righteousness. This is why. Pull up verse 25. It's all in a row. He says, first, that the steps of a, of a righteous are ordered by the Lord. Then he says, if you fall and you're following God's word, you won't stay down for long. And how does he know it? He's going to give you proof in verse 25. He said, you don't have to take my word for me, but experience does it. What did he say? He said, I have what? Been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. When you live the way God wants you to live, you might not get everything right, but one thing is for certain, God is going to take care of you. God is going to see about you. I don't live right just for myself. I'm living right the best way I know how for my children because my children will receive the benefit of how I live on this earth. So even if I fall and I get down, I can't stay down because I have a generation that's coming behind me that's dependent on me. I got to get up. Not only does righteous living create a corporate blessing, corporately, not only does righteousness bring comfort and provision, but for the last thought of the day, righteous living protects us from the unseen pitfalls of life. <clears throat> How many mistakes and trouble have you ever gotten yourself into? If you just did what the Bible said, you wouldn't have been into them. How 
How many times have you been married? And the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And where there's no wood, the fire goes out. And if you'd have just followed that path, you'd have been fine. But you had to get the what? Last word. And you stoked the fire and the fire burns your house down. Because we didn't live righteous. These verses that I'm about to read to you that we're going to read together corporately. These verses encourage us. And I want you to know if you want this stuff, we'll send every bit of it to you. Because it's not my intent for you just to get full on Sunday morning. It's to make this stuff applicable to your life on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. That's why we study and we pray and we bring it. Because we want it to be food for you. These verses satisfy us. These verses encourage us to flee the paths of cravings that will satisfy us in our flesh. But they will sabotage our spirit. The life of the wicked is enticing, but the path of the righteous is long-lasting. Last scriptures for today. Well, I have one I'm going to read myself, but this last one we're going to read. We're almost gone, guys. How about that? You want hunger and thirst for long. We're almost done. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. What does it say? Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, and do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They, whoa, I need to stop. Do we see this in our culture now? Do we see people asking you always what you think about certain social issues that you know are anti-biblical? But they want to ask you because they're mad if you don't believe like they do. And they try to use peer pressure and corporate pressure to make you believe the way they want you to believe. Is this happening today? Do y'all see that in the scriptures? That they are not just happy doing it themselves, but they're not mad unless you affirm what they do. Do we see that in scripture? Right there. To keep it up, guys. Keep it up. We're almost done. Verse 16. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. We'll pick it up there. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. They put it in your school. They proselytize your children with ideologies that are anti-Christian anti-biblical. They put it on your televisions. They put it in the movies. They put it in the kids' movies. All sorts of agendas that are not godly agendas. They will not sleep until everybody believes like they do. Mm. Verse 17. What does it say? For they what? Eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. They don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst for wickedness and violence. You don't know a culture that's like that, do you? People that love violence and MMA and dangerous things and love to see people get mauled just like they did in Rome. People that the more blood and the more gore there is, the more money you make in the movie. We just can't have a good movie. My wife and I and the kids, we watched a great movie. It wasn't no, it, and we had fun. We laughed. It was, it was a family movie. We had family night every Friday. And, and, and I was amazed at how enjoyable that was. But sometimes we don't like a good movie unless there's a couple of M16s in it that love violence. And then we wonder why people come in and shoot up schools because our games are filled with violence. Our TVs are filled with violence and wickedness. And when they, when their soul is broken, they go to what they've been eating. You are what you eat. The world has created a plate for us to eat. But look at verse 18. What does it say? But the path of the righteous 
is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. What does that mean? That if you're following God's righteous path, you don't walk in darkness. You can see and you will not stumble. Why? Because God is leading your path. You can come on up to her, hon. I'm almost finished. This morning, God is wanting us to feast on his word and desire his way. He wants us to build an appetite for the things that will bless our life, not the thing that will destroy our life. You are blessed when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me put it in my vernacular. You are blessed when your appetite is for the things of God. That doesn't mean everything in the world is wicked. That does not mean that there are not things in the world we can enjoy. We can enjoy a movie. We can enjoy this or that. But you have to be careful that what the level of what you're putting into yourself is not higher than that. You can have a Twinkie every now and then. But if you eat a Twinkie every day, you have a problem. And then you get into a condition that creates hunger. I never forget it. Being a father of three, I know that every time there's a baby on the way, there are going to be some late night runs for weird cravings because your condition will, will actually make you hungry for certain things. Pastor, I want to be free from, from, from some things I've been watching. I have no business watching. Well, fill that space with something else. Acquire a taste for something holy. I'm getting all these kind of thoughts. What kind of music are you listening to all the time? Do you ever meditate on godly stuff? I don't have any peace in my life. Do you have a prayer life? I don't mean just over your food. I don't mean just at night before you go to sleep because you feel guilty about it. But do you wake up in the morning and pray about your day before your day starts? That's wanting a righteous life. You are blessed when you have an appetite for the things of God. When you're hungry for righteousness, you apply God's word to your life. And happier you when you acquire a taste for God's standards. This is my prayer today. Lord, help us to build our appetite for you. Increase our hunger and intensify our thirst. As the deer pants for the flowing, the word of God said, of the stream. So my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. That's what David said. And I'm going to read this and he can play soft music. And I'm going to bring up Brother Day today. I didn't know how I would close out today. But the Lord has had me meditating on this scripture. And if you like it, I'd love to give it to you. I've been meditating on it for uh, quite a while now and listen to what it says this is psalms 119 verses 97 through 104 if you want it we'll give it it says oh how i love your law it is my meditation all the day <laughs> you can read it with me they got it on the screen your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me i have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way is there anybody who wants to grow a little in God who could use a little closer relationship with God who says God I want to know you in a different way a lot of times it just doesn't fall on you it's an acquired taste you got to start eating the right things 
until you want the right thing. See this water here? I used to love water, and then I started drinking sodas, and I got to the point where I didn't know what water was. To the point that when I tried to drink water, it would, I would have to force myself. My body didn't even want to receive it at one point. But I figured out something. The more water I drink, the more water I want. The more Jesus you get, the more Jesus you want. The more time you spend in prayer. The more time you spend on your knees. The more time you spend in the Word. Y'all have learned that following God is an acquired taste. Lord, as a deer pants for the water. Lord, I don't want to stop being hungry, but make me more hungry for you. Make me more thirsty for you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for thee. Brother Dave comes and the prayer team comes. If you don't know Jesus today, if he's pulling on your heart, he can create that hunger. He can create that thirst for you. If you need prayer for something, God can help you. Prayer team, come up. More than enough. He said they shall be filled. You know what that means? He's got more than enough. I need strength to live, holy God. Don't worry. He's got more than enough. I need you to guard my eyes and my ears. He's got more than enough. I need some forgiveness. I'm having trouble forgiving. He's got more than enough. I need healing in my spirit. Healing is the children's bread. Because he's got more than enough. More than enough, more than enough for me. Oh, you are more than enough, more than enough. You are more. today for me 